Welcome back to the Viking Update Show. Before we get started on Vikings Talk, I want to rec- highly recommend the John Krasinski Show at TalkNorth.com. We were lucky to have Chris Finch come out. John was able to talk Chris Finch into coming out to Head Flyer Brewing on Saturday night. We had a great time, great conversation. NBA coaches don't do these kinds of things, so it was a really special night. Thanks, John, for getting Chris. Thanks to Chris for being such a great sport. Again, I highly recommend listening to that as well as the John Krasinski Show for all of your Timberwolves news and insights. Here on the Viking Update Show, uh, we're coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services Studios. Best way to listen, subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's the easiest way to listen. I want to thank our many sponsors, including Define Destinations, our new sponsor, uh, Aquarius Home Services, TSR Injury Law, and my favorite clothing store, Twill in the Dining Galleria. Uh, let's get to it here. This is going to be a I mean, listen, the Vikings are always fascinating. Their off seasons are always fascinating. There's always some level of quarterback intrigue. This is next level quarterback intrigue. Do they sign Cousins? How much are they willing to pay him? What's the contract look like? Does it leave room for other signings? And are they going to draft a quarterback? And are they going to actually do what some people around the country have suggested and trade up to the top of the draft to get the quarterback they like? Uh, just where is your head with all that's spinning around right now, John? Yeah, it, it feels like we are in the really sort of murky, mucky portion of the offseason where you're going to hear all sorts of different rumors and innuendo and speculation and things like that because we're still far enough away from the draft, even from the combine. Uh, so that there haven't been ultra substantive discussions. I don't think, uh, uh, you know, on any side coaching staff, like teams are still just finishing hiring their, their new coaches, um, some new executives and things of that nature. And everyone is still gearing up for the Super Bowl. So right now we're in this kind of vacuum where there's not really a whole lot of substance that goes into a lot of the intrigue but there is a whole lot of intrigue because we're you, you need to fill that time the that long week in between the nfc and afc championship games in the super bowl but uh, it does seem like there's been a lot of conversation just about what the vikings are going to do about how, you know how kirk cousins is going to negotiate and now you are starting it has been interesting the last couple of days to see just mentions out there about the Vikings being very motivated to move up in the draft to get a quarterback. Now, the what I you know I kind of take that to believe to 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 look at it and to be like everyone probably wants to move up and, and and draft a quarterback. What can the Vikings do? What are they able to do to make that happen? And I still think Jim that even if they do move up to get a quarterback. I w- unless they're in the top two, I would be very open to the idea of still bringing Kirk Cousins back and letting a you know if you get up to five or you get up to eight and you get a, a guy that you like and letting him sit and learn for at least a year. I don't think that's a bad idea at all. That's where I'm at right now. He's John Krasinski from The Athletic. I'm Jim Suhan from Star Tribune. Brandon Morton is our producer, as he has been for so many years now. Uh, Jeff Diamonds, Vikings and NFL Insider, is our other football show at TalkNorth.com. Jeff has been fantastic breaking down how the contracts should work, how they probably will work. Uh, the, and one of the great things, insights Jeff has been able to give us is they actually benefit. Their salary cap room 
increases if they re-sign Cousins. If they lose, if he walks away, they have twenty-eight million in dead cap. If he stays, you can structure it in a way that actually gives them more money to spend this year. If they sign Jefferson to a long-term deal, he'll probably save them ten million against the cap this year. Uh, they have plenty of money to do whatever they want to do. So it's really more about football judgments than uh, and salary cap space. I I'm I've said it before. I want Cousins back on a relatively short, short-term deal so they can continue to try to compete. And I want them to draft their future quarterback because I think this is the right draft and they are in the right place to do that. The rumor, I don't know what they're going to do, um, but here's where I would steer people who are trying to figure out what to believe. Last year, they loved Anthony Richardson. And if he hadn't gone with like the fourth pick, they might have tried to find a way to move up and get him. The quarterback in this draft who reminds me of Anthony Richardson is Jaden Daniels. Uh, big, strong, great athlete, uh, highly productive at a high level, accurate passer, great runner. Um, and the seems like the popular rumor out there right now on the Internet is they're going to trade up to get Drake May. I don't believe that. I don't think May has proven enough or is polished enough or f- enough of a finished product for them to trade the house to go up to three or whatever it would take to get Drake May. Jaden Daniels, either if there's a reasonable deal to be made or if he slips at all, to me, he's the guy they might go up and get. Well, it's interesting, Jim, because I, I, I think I see the logic that you have in that stance and I understand it. Um, I just the thing that is sort of throwing me off in terms of how I determine what their um uh, what their preference is at that position is really how things played out with the offense after Cousins' injury during the season, right? Because Josh Dobbs came in and lit the world on fire and he was mobile and he was making all these kind of um, you know, you know, these off script plays. It was it was the the offense looked explosive and dynamic and you're like, wow, this is something else. And then as as the weeks went on and his star fell back to earth a little bit, it seemed like Kevin O'Connell was a little more comfortable with a more classic drop back passer like Cousins is, you know, like Nick Mullins, you know, that kind of a of a of a profile for a quarterback. Now, what I don't know is, is that strictly based on, you know, hey, maybe Josh Dobbs, you know, caught lightning in a bottle and he has some real deficiencies as a dual threat quarterback that has caused him to not just bounce, uh, go up and down in, with the Vikings, but bounce around to a bunch of different teams in his career. So is it that or is it Kevin O'Connell's system and preferences these being designed better or more more for a a just drop back and throw type of a player. What do you think about that? I'm not sure how to read what Kevin O'Connell wants and what this system wants in a quarterback, which is, you know, maybe again, why, why some of the Drake may speculation is coming up here. Right. And, and, and that's fascinating because you can make a case either way. You can say, okay, he loved Anthony Richardson. He wanted Anthony Richardson. Uh, who's going to be a great running quarter, a great running and passing quarterback in the league. And yet, Cousins has run his offense better than anybody else, and he won a Super Bowl in Los Angeles with Matthew Stafford, who's much more like Cousins than Jaden Daniels or 
or Anthony Richardson. Um, I think, and here's my guess, and it is just a guess. My guess is that Kevin O'Connell has enough confidence in himself that if he feels like he gets a high-end talent at quarterback, he can make it work, mm-hmm. uh, regardless of the skill set. I, I tend to discount – I think what we saw this year after Cousins got hurt didn't dissuade him from a certain type of athlete quarterback. I think it just made him realize, God, bleep it, I better have a good backup. for <laughs> <laughs> Because yeah, right. Dobbs, because Dobbs um, the problem with Dobbs was as soon as they wanted him to – kind of calm down the crazy running and just uh, run the offense, he couldn't do it. Right. And and Mullins could do it, but then he'd make the big mistake. And Hall, strangely, looked good in his first effort and looked like he had never played football for in his second effort. So so I don't know. I It, it is all fascinating. I, and I think May might be the key here. If they really like him, he might be the kind of guy they can find a way to get. Uh, mm-hmm. I just... For me, I look at him, I, and, I, and I don't want to compare to Mitchell Trubisky because they played at the same college, but that's what the resume looks like to me. A guy who's had he's had really one good college year. He looks like a quarterback. He moves like a quarterback. Man, he, to me, he's he, – and maybe I just have Christian Ponder scars, but he, he reminds me of Christian Ponder. Well, and here, like, here's the other thing kind of to build off of your point, Jim, of it – if I can paint with a broad brush in terms of what are the who are, what are the style of quarterback that gets teams salivating and, and ready to move up once you know as the as the combine happens as these private workouts happen and as the draft gets closer generally it feels like uh, they go after the tantalizing runner thrower combo like like a Jaden Daniels I can see a scenario where teams become really transfixed with the the physical tools and and the numbers that Jaden Daniels put up at LSU and really say hey this is this is someone uh, that is kind of closer to the Lamar Jackson uh type of a of a mold where man you can do so many things with him and that is going to cause you know that's going to make me think twice about um passing up on a more prototypical quarterback like drake may and so my this is a long way of saying that i can see a scenario where teams become more enamored with like a Jaden daniels type and then drake may falls just a little bit more we remember we we talked most of this season about caleb williams and drake may being like one and two unquestionably and maybe that's going to be the way that it ends up happening and maybe may will go in the top three picks or something like that and and that'll and that'll be the end of it. Or um, maybe the more tape that that uh, teams look at, the more scouting that they do, the more that they look around the league at uh, where this where offenses are going. Maybe they become. Maybe they say, "Hey, you know what? This you know, Jaden Daniels is is actually kind of more of what we want." And and so maybe that pushes May down the board a little bit more, and then maybe that allows the Vikings to move up and, and, and grab him. And, and that, that I can see that scenario playing out just as much as I could see um, may going second or third and uh, jet and Daniels fall into six, seven, eight or somewhere in there. And the Vikings going and getting him there. And the easier, the easiest thing for the Vikings to do is stay at 11 and take the best quarterback available at that point. 
Now, now, if you really think May is way better than anybody else, then you're kind of obligated to go get him. Uh, but I don't know. I could see I could see Penix, Knicks, McCarthy end up being a nice NFL quarterback. Uh, McCarthy has a lot of upside, and he's actually a very good athlete. I, I don't know. It, it, it's fascinating. And at this point, I think last year, by the time we got close to the draft, I think we had all figured out through different sources that uh, they really liked Anthony Richardson. They probably weren't going to get him, but that's that's who they liked. This year, honestly, at this point, I, I have no idea what they're thinking. Yeah, and I, I guess I think my 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 thought on that agreed. I don't have inside information into who they're leaning toward or who they like. Um, we can get into a little bit later in the show, the senior bowl and kind of some of the tea leaves that can be read through some of their actions down there. But um, I just think that I, I really just do expect them to take a quarterback some way, somehow early in the draft, because I do think one of the, the benefits for a regime of taking a quarterback, especially if one that's going to sit for a year or two, is it open? It extends your window a little bit. And, you know, let's face it after last season and the way that it all went, uh, I do think that Quasi Udalfa Mensa and, and, and this regime need some reason to kind of give to fans and really to will the Wilfs and everyone of just, Hey, get, we need a little time here. Let, let's get this person into the system. Let's let's groom him and cultivate him. And let's see how this goes at, for the long term. Because if they don't go with a young quarterback and get a young quarterback in the stable to develop, and you just stay with Cousins and go into next season, and then you finish third or fourth in the division again, um, then you're really going to be in harm's way or, you know, in trouble in terms of what your longevity is going to be in this job. And, and so drafting a young quarterback gives the, this regime a little bit extra time and built in to just be like, okay, give us a couple of years to get everything around this person, to let him develop and see how he goes before you can make any kind of final decisions on, is this the right group or is this not the right group to lead the team going forward? Well said. Up next, we're going to talk about the Senior Bowl, what we might have learned from that. We're going to talk about what it's like to cover a Super Bowl, uh, talk about the Pro Bowl. We're going to break down the Pro Bowl flag football game play-by-play play <laughs> for the next six hours. I know you can't wait to hear all of that. Uh, we actually, we'll just mention the Pro Bowl. First, though, we want to let you know we're coming to you from the Aquarius Home Service Studio, and we want to thank Aquarius Home Services. Scott for Aquarius, wishing you a happy new year. And happy, how can we be only halfway through winter? Want some good news? Now is the time to replace your old furnace and AC with a new high-efficiency whole home heating and cooling system. Because at Aquarius, you can install it now and not pay a penny until next year. Visit AquariusHomeServices.com and schedule your free estimate today. Financing offers subject to available credit. Aquarius, earning the right to be recommended. We'd also like to, to thank and welcome new sponsor, Define Destinations. Yeah, Define Destinations, Jim. Um, very cool new sponsor to the show. They've done stuff in the past with Michael Russo, with KFAN and the Power Trip Morning Show and, and a bunch of people. And here's what we have going on for you at Talk North. Uh, I am partnering with Define Destinations on a trip to Spain at the end of August, August 22nd 
through 29th. Um, it is going to be an amazing trip to Madrid and to Barcelona um, with through Define Destinations. So if you go to definedestinations.com, you can look up the Spain trip with John Krasinski and see all the amazing things that we will all do together. We'll have some dinners together in Spain. We will uh, take high-speed rail from Madrid to Barcelona. We have guided tours of museums. We have wine, tapas, sangria food tours in both cities. Um, you, uh, we have, we'll stay in five-star hotel, or excuse me, four-star hotels right in the hearts of Madrid and Barcelona, walking distance to uh, great restaurants, great uh, nightclubs and, 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 and night spots, unbelievable museums, beaches in Barcelona, like all sorts of things. I'm super excited. I've never been to Spain before. Maybe we'll walk or knock on Ricky Rubio's door and see if, uh, see if he's around and wants to hang out. But, um, but uh, if you go to defineddestinations.com, sign up by the end of May and join us on a, what will be an, just an incredible, incredible trip to Madrid and Spain at the end of August. Great weather out there at that time. Two of the most exotic kind of cosmopolitan cities in the world. Um, and with plenty of help to show us around and make it very easy to navigate what is, you know, for me, it's kind of daunting to think about a European trip and and trying to figure out where to go and what to see and and what to do. The trip itself, it, it covers your airfare, it covers your hotel, it covers a lot of the meals that are built into it. And finally, one of the things that you wonder about with a trip like this is, is it all going to be... Um, just guided tours, and I'm going to have to do all of these different things. No, you'll have plenty of time to yourself, both in Madrid and Spain and, and Barcelona, to do your own things, to go your own way, to go find your own things. But um, but we'll also spend time as a group together. Um, just we'll talk wolves, we'll talk Vikings, we'll talk uh, food, and 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 just have a great great time. So defineddestinations.com is the place to check it out, and I hope you can uh, join us at the end of August in Madrid and Barcelona. We need to get Steve Terry back on the show. Steve has been supporting this show with uh, his company, TSR Injury Law, for a long time. As he always says, all you need to remember is if you're injured, call 612-TSR-TIME. 612-TSR-TIME. They won't charge you unless they win your case. They win a lot of cases. That's why they're a great Minnesota success story. We trust them. Uh, if I were ever injured, I would I would call that number immediately, and I would know, I know that I was going to be taken care of. 612-TSR-TIME. Also want to let you know that, uh, hey, I had a busy weekend. Saturday night, we did uh, the John Krasinski show at Head Flyer Brewing. Chris Finch came out, massive crowd that got there really early. Uh, it was an absolute blast. And my wife was coming from a different event. She was dressed up. So I decided, okay, I actually should look like a non-slob. Whenever I want to look like a non-slob, I wear twill. I wear everything. So Saturday night, I'm at Head Flyer. Everything I was wearing, I got a twill in the dining gallery. Sunday night, Timberwolves game. Once again, decided to go into non-slob mode. Everything I wore, I got at Twill. Stenstrom dress shirts, uh, beautiful Italian sport coat, uh, Brax slacks, really nice belt, uh, everything. Everything, you know, I won't go any farther, but pretty much everything I wore, including, you know, my hat that's kind of like a dress hat that also has ear flaps that fold down for the Minnesota winter. I mean, everything I got, I got at Twill. So I recommend you going to Twill and finding what works for you. Twillmn.com, Twill in the Dining Galleria. 
And I believe they're still having a 40% off sale for stuff they're trying to, it's not a, it's not a huge space, right? So each season they have to have a sale or they have to move some inventory out of the way. They don't have many sales. I would take advantage of any sale they do have. TwillMN.com, Twill in the Dining Galleria. On to the Senior Bowl. What, what did you glean, if anything, out of the Senior Bowl? Yeah, so I did not go to the Senior Bowl, but I've read a lot of the coverage, right. including from Alec Lewis, um, our our Vikings beat writer at the Athletic, and you know he's he was out down there and has a piece um, on our site just that is more sort of soaking up the atmosphere and reading some of the tea leaves um, that that could be read uh, when all sorts of teams, all sorts of agents, all um, all sorts of prospects get together in one place and start gossiping and start chatting. And one of the interesting kind of anecdotes that he had, Jim, was that you know, the um, uh, the way that the Senior Bowl is set up at the stadium, uh, you, you put kind of media and fans on one side, and then you put team officials and, and everyone else on the other side, and, and, you're, and they're watching these workouts happen on the field. And each team only gets three on field credentials that you can stand on the turf and you can be really close up and, 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 and watch these guys work out. And usually the teams kind of rotate their officials or their coaches or their executives through these credentials, depending on, you know, what, what prospects are out there, who wants to get an an extra close look at, at certain prospects. And, and so last Wednesday was kind of one of the big days of the workouts and, and it had Michael Penix Jr. and Bo Nix, you know, two of the the really highly thought of quarterback prospects who were there and and doing their workouts. And so um, when you what the Vikings chose to have Koizu Mensa and Kevin O'Connell as part of that group on on the field for those two. And I mean, does that mean that they're definitely going to choose one of these two guys or or what? No, but I do. But I do think that it's kind of illustrative of if you're bringing your your biggest members of the organization into that position for those guys um, and their workouts, it really just shows how much they are prioritizing, evaluating quarterbacks. You know, they want to get up at close as much as they can with them um, and really kind of get a look at what is happening with these guys. And I just thought it was kind of interesting that, you know, that they're going to put their two power brokers down there when the two biggest two of the biggest quarterback prospects were down there getting their throws in and um and so just like that's a you know just little things that you try to pick up on and say okay what um you know what is this team prioritizing what's what's important to these guys these guys were right front and center for Bo Nix and Michael Penix Jr. And the fascinating thing uh, there are a million mock drafts out there I only read certain people that I really trust there's also a real possibility. It's natural to dream of them trading up and getting Daniels or May. And they very well might have a good quarterback fall to them at 11. There are also a lot of mock drafts by people who are very knowledgeable who have either McCarthy, Penix, or Nix, or two of the three, some even all three, falling to the second round. Yeah. What if your internal evaluation is that Penix is as good as anybody in the draft, or at least as good as anybody beyond the top three, four picks, and you can get him in the second round? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, 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 on, it's, 
It would be incredible, I think, Jim. Um, and you know, you look through the the years, and you know, we, there's talent at that position that gets drafted in the first round, that gets drafted in later rounds. Just one, like that's right off the top of my head. Drew Brees was a second round pick, and um, and so you can find the right players, and if they fit in your system the right way, I think you can be successful. With get with with going with a quarterback in the second round. Now, obviously, it's a hold your breath type of a situation, right? Like if yep. you if you make that decision, a that assumes you stay at eleven, and there must just be someone else that you love, whether it's a defensive lineman, whether it's a cornerback, whether you know whatever it is that you really just say this guy is head and shoulders above everyone else we have graded in the same area at, at all of the positions. So you, you take someone there at, at 11, but then you need some luck to go your way for the board to fall and for you to still be able to get one of, one of the guys that you really like in the second round. And that's where I would just caution about the sort of philosophy of, well, we can get someone that that is still really good in the second round, maybe not great, but really good. I mean, that that to me speaks to, the same thing where the same philosophy of we're going to pass on Kyle Hamilton here in the first <laughs> round because we can drop down and still get a Lewis scene who's still, you know, in the same realm. And yep. Lewis scene is nowhere near the same realm. Kyle Hamilton is quite literally one of the best defensive players in the league already. And, and that's the risk that you take. And so if you do that at safety, it's not the end of the world. If you do that at quarterback, it probably is the end of the world. So that's the risk that you take if you do drop down there. But you're right. I, I don't think it's unrealistic to think that there will be one or two guys who are well-known, um, who have a pedigree, that will be available in the second round for the Vikings to take at quarterback. Yeah, and I'm not really recommending they wait to the second no. round. It's just it's an intriguing possibility. Yeah. I think they'll either stay at 11 and take the best player available or if they really like a quarterback. I can't see them. I'm not sure I see them being willing to give up all that they would take to, to trade up to two or three or even no. if those teams would be willing to trade with them. But if the quarterback they like is starting, they slipped a four, five, six, seven, eight, then that's where I think they jump jump at them. Yeah, because the other part about this, Jim, is like they have a lot of needs. They have a lot of holes to yep. fill. And and they they have a lot of money that they're going to be paying out to Derisaw and Jefferson and, and some of these other guys, too. So you need affordable talent with these draft picks. And so when you see some of the prices that have had to be paid for teams to move up into that top three area, um, I just don't think that the Vikings can afford to do that uh, given the holes all over their roster that need filling. So I agree with you. I think it, it feels like seven, eight, somewhere in there, moving up three or four spots is probably going to be the, the ceiling for what they're able to afford to do and still be able to have enough draft picks both this year and then going forward to continue to supplement a roster that absolutely has a lot of areas that need to be addressed. Yes. Uh, what did you think of the pro bowl day? You know, to be honest with you, Jim, I didn't see one bit of it. Um, okay. You know, I, I wanted to like, what, here's what I do. Like, I like the idea of more of the skills competition type stuff. 
um, that that we saw kind of in you know, during the week. Uh, I, I remember way back in the day. I don't know if you did much this back then. I'm talking like early '90s. They would do the quarterback challenge, or mm-hmm. you know, or, and and have guys you know run races against each other and things like that. Like that's fun. Like that's that's intriguing to me. Um, I like to watch that that type of thing happen and and really see. I know I, I saw one um, one clip on online where Andrew DePaulo was was snapping, trying to do like an accuracy long snapping into a bunch of different um, targets, and that was fun. Like I enjoy that kind of thing. Uh, but the, I, it wasn't enough to get me to my TV to be, to be watching. I'm sure I'm one of the few who said no to it because the NFL just <laughs> dominates everything yes. and you can get these guys playing checkers and people would watch it. But, uh, but I, as far as like the game itself and everything, I, I didn't watch any of it. Uh, I watched a little bit of everything just to get a feel for it. I will say this, uh, and this is an old guy observation. I'm qualified to make these, um, uh, Back in like the 70s, they used to have a show called Superstars. And yeah. one year they had the Steelers and the Vikings who had played in the Super Bowl compete in the Superstars competition, which was like tug of war, 100 meter dash, obstacle course, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it was fa- fascinating. And I think that Superstars competition with the Super Bowl Steelers against the Super Bowl Vikings doing the tug of war was one of the most emotional sporting events I've ever seen. You could see these guys like bleeding and developing blisters and not giving up and their legs were shot and they're yanking. And that's what they're getting toward. Now they had a tug of war. Uh, They Mm -hmm. had, you know, they had guys pushing each other on sleds. They had, and, and here's what I like about it. You really see the personality. You you play a fake football game that's supposed to look like real football, but nobody's hitting each other and it just feels fake. Right. And everybody's wearing their helmets. Everybody looks the same. Here you have people, helmets off, you see their faces, you see their expressions, you see their personalities, you see them straining uh, in the tug of war, you see them running around playing flag football. I, I think it's brilliant. I think they finally found something that's worth doing as a Pro Bowl event. Yeah, I mean, I, I like just, I do like the idea of having them do things where that are a little more relatable um, to the average fan. Like, I mean, how many, everyone was in tug of war competitions at, in in grade school you know at 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 their track and field day or um you know you you, when you see them doing these things or you know running races or or pushing on sleds and stuff you're like okay yeah like i see a little bit more i can relate to a little bit more of what that takes and generally you're right that you these things are um the kinds of events that bring out big smiles that bring out kind of energy and and personality from the the players and and it's just a real humanizing idea and it's also thing it are it is also things that can be very compelling uh just to watch on very in very short bursts and that do not put them in danger of concussion in danger of injury the way that playing a real game does and i think it's a recognition that in this modern era that there does have to be a pivot away from the competition in these all-star games. I mean, we are seeing what a disaster the NBA game has become. Uh, the baseball game is not nearly what it was. Uh, the hockey, the hockey thing is a joke. So um, rather than having people watch these things and with disdain almost, why not just 
come up with other events just to have fun and just to like, you know, celebrate these highly uh, famous athletes and, 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 and let them uh, relate to the fans a little bit more. I think that's a very good idea. It is Super Bowl week. Who do you like and what are you most intrigued about in this matchup? Yeah, you know, I'll be honest. I wanted to see the Ravens and the Lions more than um, the Chiefs and the Niners. That's just my was my personal preference. So um, watching the the Lions uh, choke that game away, it felt like we were watching the Vikings. Jim, <laughs> like like yeah. that's that's something we've seen over and over again um, over the years. Maybe the whole uh, division's so, cursed. Yeah, it's it's entirely possible. Um, so I'm, I'm I was a little bit bummed. That's I, that said, I'm still looking forward to this game. And um, I, I, I'm going to be the guy that takes the Chiefs and Mahomes. Uh, it, it, it's just, do you ever want to be the one that bets against this guy at this point in his career? I think the Niners are a little deeper. I think they're a little more, you know, well-rounded than the Chiefs are. But um, I just think Patrick Mahomes is going to find a way to make enough plays to win a low-scoring, tight game because I don't think the Chiefs defense has gotten enough credit for how good it is. And so I think this is going to be a, you know, 21-17 type of game that's just a, you know, a slugfest. And watching the way that Mahomes navigates that and figures it out and makes enough plays and and um, and just manages the game on, on the ultimate level, that's not pejorative at all, just the way that he controls the game. I think it's going to be fascinating for me. I agreed. I, I picked Mahomes every week of this postseason. I will do so again. I'm not betting against the guy. I just love the way he, Andy Reid, Kelsey, and Spagnola just figure they, – they come into games with great game plans, and then they adapt to whatever needs to be done. I just love watching them. 49ers are great. I'm going to pick the Chiefs. Um, but, John, I got to admit, I'm not going to watch the game. I mean, I'm just really? so – I'm just so offended by Taylor Swift. I can't function. Uh, yes, 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 absolutely. I mean, how can, how can, I mean, I don't know why I don't like Taylor Swift. I don't know why. I mean, but maybe, I don't know. Maybe I just got kicked in the head by a horse or something. Maybe but, that's but, but not- it was cool to have Eminem on, right? Like that was fine. <laughs> that didn't bother anyone <laughs> at all. But Taylor Swift. Uh, oh, is, how can, I mean, I mean, she's yeah. on camera for like, 20, 30 seconds, seconds a game. I mean, how yeah. can anybody, how can anybody tolerate this, John? Gay, uh, I, I will credit um, my New York Times overlords who, uh, who uh, bought The Athletic a couple of years ago now and, and um, have done a great job of kind of taking over the operation and, and things. But they did have someone that tracked literally like second by second Taylor Swift. And as you were alluding to, 25 seconds is the average amount of screen time she's gotten over the last month or whatever in these playoff games. And people just are losing their minds over it. It's, uh, it's incredible. I mean, we can watch Jason Kelsey take off his shirt and jump into the Buffalo crowd and that's okay. And meanwhile, Taylor Swift is literally all she's doing is sitting in a suite and watching the game. Like she's not, She's not doing anything to commandeer the spotlight. Um, it, it, the one cool thing, Jim, do you remember they showed her and and Travis on the field after the FCA championship game? And um, Jason comes up to Travis 
and Taylor just got out of the way and yep. and just let them have their moment because like I thought it was so cool because she understands how many people are watching her and what this conversation has been like and all of these things. And and in, rather than like be in the middle of those two guys and hugging both of them and being a part of it, she stepped away and it's like, I'm going to give these brothers their moment. Then Travis comes over to her, Taylor, I love you. Um, I'm going to go uh, hang with the guys and celebrate now. She's like, go ahead. Like, that's like all you can ask of this woman. And and she is just being, you know, targeted to an, an unbelievable degree. It's it's just, it's mind boggling to me. It, it's crazy. And I don't really want to talk about it anymore because it's so, such a stupid thing. But I'm glad we at least at least made fun of the people who yes. can't stand Taylor Swift. We will continue to do that. Uh, hey, good stuff from John. Again, check out the Chris Finch episode. It's fantastic. Thanks to Brandon. Thank you all for listening. We do appreciate it. Enjoy the game. We'll talk to you soon.